What is the greatest thing about you? Yeah, usually when we're asked that question, it makes us kind of squirm a little bit. Like, well, I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty good at uh, checkers or whatever the case may be. But we don't want to brag. But at the same time, sometimes we're racking our brain and we think, man, I can't even think of a single thing. When we think, where does our greatness lie? We can't give a straight answer very often. And why is that? Because as St. James says, your passions make war within your members. And I think the two passions that are two sides of the same coin are pride and insecurity. We get so insecure that we are not enough, that we don't have enough for all that life has to throw at us, that, that everybody else seems great, but I am just so little. And so then we compensate with trying to belittle others trying to at least be a little bit better than them at this or at that other thing. Or we start kind of putting on this mask of hubris, this, this pride of maybe being arrogant toward other people because deep down inside we're so scared at how little we feel. And so those passions that make war within us are insecurity and pride. And we bounce from one to the other, and as the pendulum swings, we have no peace within ourselves. What makes you great? What is the greatest thing about you? Something to reflect upon. To be able to see ourselves as good, just as Jesus looks at us and sees and proclaims that we are good. But what's the foundation of it all? Where does our greatness lie? Well, last night at the Mass, we received the answer to that. At the Vigil Mass last night... I baptized a little girl. And in that, receiving a gift that she did not earn, right? Just a little girl. She's fine, good, but didn't receive the unspeakably great gift or didn't, uh, didn't uh, deserve the unspeakably great gift that she received of being called to be a daughter of God. We saw there in her free and humble reception of that gift the foundation of the dignity that she would carry for all of eternity. She was made great. She was conceived and born wonderfully and fearfully made in the image and likeness of God himself. But in her baptism, she was raised to the dignity of being his daughter. A dignity that nothing she ever does or that is ever done to her will ever be able to take away. And we realize that that's where our greatness lies as well. It has a much firmer foundation than what position we hold at work, how much money we have in the bank account, whether all of our relationships are good, if our family is tension-free, if our health is great, if people like us, if we look good, if we are at the weight that we want to be at. All of those things are secondary because primary is that nothing in this world will ever change the fact that you have been claimed to be a son or daughter of God. Nothing will top that. You can accomplish every single thing in this world that you would want. You can scale every mountain. You can get to the top of every career field. You can be liked by everybody in this entire world and none of that if you put it all together, amounts to the greatness 
of being a baptized son or daughter of God. So you can relax. Right? It doesn't have to be this rat race, this competition, to where it's, let's see who of us can be the greatest. That's like comparing the size of ants. Right? Compared to God, we're all nothing. But in the love of God, we become everything to Him, in His eyes. When He claims us as a son or daughter, we become the apple of His eye. And so why do we spend so much of our time and energy and attention on all the secondary things? Making sure that in this race, I come in, maybe not first, but at least not last. I gotta at least be better than this person or that person. And so, when I feel insecure, you know, what I heard about her, she actually, you know, it's all makeup underneath that. I saw her one time. Ooh. And we say these things because we are so scared that we might finish last. But we've already won the race. Because it's been won for us by Jesus. All we have to do is cling to Him. All we have to do is accept our dignity and our identity as being founded in Him. That's where our greatness lies. And that's where it seems the apostles were trying to figure this out in today's gospel. And they didn't quite get there yet. Jesus was teaching his disciples and telling them, The Son of Man is to be handed over to men and they will kill him. And three days after his death, the Son of Man will rise. But they did not understand the saying. They were afraid to question him. And so instead of turning to God, asking him, I just don't understand your plan. I don't understand where I fit in this. This group of apostles settled for just arguing among themselves trying to run that rat race, trying to see which of us is greater, which, which of us is going to be able to be a leader over the others. And Jesus knows this. And so with this great gentleness, he just asks them, so what were you arguing about along the way? And, and they said nothing because they were so scared that they had been found out. They remained silent For they had been discussing among themselves on the way who was the greatest. And here I have to feel for the apostles a little bit. Because you know what brought them all together? It wasn't that they were friends for years and years and years, went to college together, and then eventually met this Jesus guy. No, they were brought together by Jesus. They came from different backgrounds. They didn't necessarily like each other at first. And the reason why they all came together is because perhaps for the first time ever, when Jesus looked at them, he said, I see something good. And I want to call that goodness to grow. He was the one who saw beneath all of their insecurities, beneath the mask of pride, beneath everything, he saw a deep goodness. And he said, you know what? I want you to follow me and let that goodness grow. So it's no surprise that not long afterwards, they're kind of elated by, hey, somebody thinks that I'm good. Wait, he thinks you're good too? You? I mean, has he met you? (laughs) And so they start arguing among themselves, and Jesus brings them back together in this beautiful example, where he says, if anyone wishes to be first, he shall be the last of all and the servant of all. He basically says, stop running this race of Who can get to greatness first? In me, you're already there. 
So imitate me, follow me. Instead of trying to lord over other people your greatness, humbly receive your greatness from me, and then imitate me, who became a servant to all. If God himself descended, stooped down so low that he would wash these exact same apostles' feet, who am I to refuse to be a servant? To say, oh, no, 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 other people need to serve me. They don't understand how difficult I have it. They don't understand. Do you know who I am? <laughs> right? We, we, we think of ourselves in these terms not of being a servant, but of demanding to be served in this way or in that way. And what is the remedy that God gives us? After this principle of you have to be a servant of all, he gives us a concrete way to do that. Taking a child, he placed it in their midst. And putting his arms around it, he said to them, Whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. Receiving a child. Right? What does that mean? That means receiving responsibility. That means saying, I am going to live for this person. I am going to protect this person. I am going to spend myself in trying to ensure that this person not only survives but thrives in this world. There's almost nothing more courageous in this life than to receive a child into your care. That's why one of the most devilish things that has happened in the last hundred years has been the spread of contraception. It's been this, this kind of the evil one feeding off of our insecurity and our pride at the same time. Our insecurity and in us saying, no, I can't possibly handle this. I just can't do it. I, I have to be perfect at it. And clearly I'm not perfect. And so I'm not going to do it. No, 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 I excuse myself from this one because I don't want to fail. I'm so scared of failing. I'm so scared that I'm not going to live up to this great task. And that's him feeding into our insecurity, exploiting it. And then from the other end, he exploits our pride where we say, wait, that might mean I have to change my plans. My plans? I'm not going to change those. And so he feeds off of both of those and he takes away the greatest opportunity that most people have in order to learn selfless love, which is to receive one child in God's name. To receive whatever God gives and to trust him enough to say like, God, I don't feel up to it, but I know that in you, I am great. I know that in, of myself, I'm incapable of anything. But in you, I'm capable of absolutely anything. I know that whatever you call to me, call me to, I can do by your grace. It's that kind of trust, that kind of love that unlocks within us that deeper imitation of who Christ is. To be a servant of all is to receive whoever God gives you. In the family setting, children in the most immediate way. But those without families, those beyond that age, those who for whatever reason don't uh, receive children biologically, there are so many other ways to receive the little ones in our midst. What does that mean? That means anybody who needs my help, I receive them as if they are God himself coming to me and giving me this invitation of saying, grow in love, become a servant of all. 
Don't listen to your pride or your insecurity. Instead, embrace the humility of realizing I can come to you and anybody who needs your help. And you need to grow by serving that person. Whether it be your children, your siblings, your parents, your co-workers, your friends, strangers. There's always a little one to receive. Little one meaning, any, meaning anybody in need. And it's in receiving them that we receive our Lord. But it works both ways. Because we receive our Lord at Mass and that helps us to receive Him out there. To receive Him in our homes. To receive Him in the poor. So today as we receive Him at this Mass, whether it be in the Blessed Host, or if we can't receive the Blessed Sacrament today, then when we receive His blessing at the end of Mass, Let's have a prayer of saying, Lord, help me to receive you in my life this week. Help me to recognize you in the people who need my help. And help me to become what you were to us, what you are to us. And that is not one who lords his power over us, but truly a servant of all.